Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are in the world tuning in. Thank you for joining me for episode 30. I believe this is episode 30 <laughs> of A Voice from the Ever Change meditation program. And uh, just a little bit about what I'll be doing here today. Uh, I'll be guiding a meditation practice into silence. This is a very traditional uh, type of meditation. It's, it's a mindfulness of the present moment type meditation where we go into the breath, we go into the body and really inhabiting the body, noting sensations that are arising. And then we'll add the experience of sound as well to the present moment, cultivating an awareness of the present moment. And there'll be kind of a silence or a stillness there. And then in that stillness, I'll offer the words of a poem that I composed. Uh, this poem is from my latest book, A Voice from the Ever Change. And after the poem, I'll offer a commentary on the poem, also written out from the book. So I'll be reading from the book there. Um, allowing the words to the poem and the commentary to serve as an extension of the guided meditation. That's the idea there. So allowing uh, the words to the poem and the commentary to guide your awareness wherever it may want to go. Now, one of the comments that I received yesterday uh, after I gave the, the poem and the commentary and talked a bit, uh, that I referenced the Buddha uh, a lot. <laughs> so a little bit about my own background and then where I'm coming from. I am, uh, well, I was trained in uh, Buddhist meditation techniques primarily. Uh, I started with uh, Korean Zen, trained in Korean Zen for several years, uh, but it was, that was quite light. I was also at that same time making uh, my living as a musician. So I was primarily identified as being a musician at that time, but I was practicing Buddhism as well. Uh, then I moved to New York and started uh, studying uh, two forms of Japanese Zen at a, at a center in New York City, uh, the Fire Lotus Temple, very close to my heart, those people. Uh, that's Soto and Rinzai uh, practices there. And at the same time, uh, around 2003, 2004, I started studying uh, Vedanta Hinduism with Ananda Marga, also in, in New York City, their center in Queens. Uh, now in 2001, I was in New York during September 11th. That was kind of the switch for me, the trigger, if you will. Uh, now it wasn't like I woke up on September 12th, 2001 and said, well, now I'm going to teach meditation and I'll never play music again. <laughs> it took me quite some time to, well, first to process uh, what September 11th meant to me. It took maybe about two years to go through that whole uh, uh, event. Uh, and then several more years of study, really immersing myself in, in different meditation techniques, different traditions. And in 2009, I completed a teacher training course and began teaching. Uh, both in the Tibetan traditions of Dzogchen and, uh, uh, but heavily influenced by my studies in Zen Buddhism, both Korean and Japanese, and my studies in Hinduism as well. 
in 2016, I stopped playing music finally. It took me quite some time, but it was really uh, a result of the world shift. Uh, all of a sudden, mindfulness became this uh, a buzzword. Uh, now, if you'd asked me in 1990 if that was a possibility, I would have said uh, probably not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, 2014, 2015, uh, uh, mindfulness became mainstream. Uh, so around 2016, 2017, I wrote my first book, Such Sweet Thunder, and began teaching worldwide, uh, traveling all over the world, uh, luckily. I feel very blessed to be able to do that, to put my music uh, aside and to do what I really love to do, which is teach meditation. Now, I don't consider myself a Buddhist, uh, but when I do teach, sometimes I tell stories and reference uh, tales and legends uh, that I learned from Buddhist lore in my travels, in my studies. And so I tend to refer to those because I know those uh, much more than I know stories from the Bible, say, or stories from the Kabbalah. Uh, but I don't consider myself any one particular faith or religion, and when I teach, I try to teach in a secular way, to make uh, the wisdom that I found in these teachings accessible to all people of all walks of life. Now that being said, uh, the poem that I read today, uh, it's poem five from chapter on impermanence, and it does, uh, the poem does refer to uh, the first discourse that was given by the Buddha. That discourse was called uh, the first turning of the Dharma wheel. And so I just refer to a, a certain phrase out of that discourse. Now I'm not going to give it all away now because I'm, I'm going to let you get into the meditation and, uh, and enjoy the poem from that place. So I think that's all I want to say as an introduction. So again, if you are following along with the book, if you've received a PDF, and by the way, if you'd like a PDF copy of the book, do send me your email address and I'll send you one uh, right away for free. Uh, some people uh, find it beneficial to read along. Uh, with the poem and the commentary as I'm reading. Uh, but ideally, allowing the poem and commentary again to serve as a guided meditation. That's, that's how I use it in my own practice, and that's how it's offered here today. Now, after the commentary, uh, I'll offer uh, some words. I'll just start uh, talking, probably. Now, that part is all unrehearsed. It's not scripted or anything like that. I just I just start riffing. Uh, and so hopefully some people will find that either of benefit or at least entertaining. <laughs> okay, that's it. Here we go. So meditation time. I'm going to ring the bell and I'll guide us into silence and we'll go from there. Enjoy. So allowing the body, mind, and heart to rest. Coming into this present moment experience. Noticing the breath as it enters and leaves the nose. 
Noticing the breath touching the back of the throat. Perhaps noticing the temperature changing from cooler to warmer as you inhale and exhale at the nostrils and the back of the throat. You might also notice the rib cage expanding and contracting with each breath. The rising and falling of the abdomen as you inhale and exhale. Notice the back moving out as you breathe in and in as you breathe out. Noticing the shoulders rising and falling with each breath. And so rest right there for a few moments, maintaining awareness on the sensations of the breathing process. Sensations from the nose, the back of the throat, the chest and shoulders and back and abdomen. And just rest. Breathing in and breathing out. And if at any time during the meditation your mind becomes distracted by thoughts, simply label those thoughts with the word thinking, which will help the thoughts dissolve and gently return back to the present moment. And while resting with the experience of the breath, from the nose to the abdomen, the abdomen to the nose. Allow awareness to expand again, to include sensations of clothing against the shoulders. Noticing the arms against the body, the hands resting against the body or touching each other. There might be sensations of clothing against the back. Noticing the weight of the body against the chair or cushion, mat or floor. Perhaps noticing sensations of clothing against the legs. Noticing the feet against the mat or the floor. And you might also notice sensations arising from the back of the neck, the sides of the neck. There might be sensations arising from the back of the head and the ears.
You might notice sensations arising from the cheeks of the face, the lips, the nose, and the eyes. Sensations arising throughout the forehead and noticing any sensations arising from the top of the head, the very crown of the head. And so we'll rest right there, maintaining awareness on the sensations of the breath from the nose to the abdomen, the abdomen to the nose, and sensations arising throughout the body from the top of the head to the bottoms of the feet. And just rest, breathing in and breathing out. And if at any time during the meditation you become distracted by your thoughts, simply labeling those thoughts thinking will allow the thoughts to go and gently return back to the breath and the body and just rest. And while resting in the present moment experience of breath and body, allowing awareness to expand again, to include any sounds which might be available during this present moment experience. Depending on where you are, you might hear the sound of a bird song or crickets. There might be the sound of a dog barking, perhaps a neighbor's television or music playing nearby. Not focusing on any one sound in particular, but noticing the entire field of sounds, hearing all of the sounds all at the same time. And in addition to any sounds, paying close attention to the quality of still silence within the sense of hearing. When we listen to the still silence, we might notice how this silent space seems to surround the present moment. And so we'll rest right there, maintaining open, spacious awareness on the sounds and silence, sensations of body and breath, and just rest, breathing in and breathing out.
the poem. When the Buddha attained enlightenment, he thought it would be pointless to teach insights into the nature of suffering. People love their place, noted the Buddha. They delight and revel in their place. It is our habit to identify with us a fixed notion of who and what we think we are. A sad state of affairs indeed. I am happy he changed his mind. The Commentary Hello, my name is Christopher. I am a poet, a musician, philosopher, a writer. I am a teacher, a public speaker, a traveler, a healer. I love cats. I love jazz music, coconuts, and peanut butter. These are just a few of the hundreds of places which I find myself taking delight and reveling in. As human beings, we seem to find some sort of security or ground in those aspects which we feel to be our place. We seem to derive a sort of satisfaction in residing in being a father, a mother, a son, a daughter, or a wife. We find some sort of security in being a lawyer, a doctor, a musician, a poet, a painter, a teacher, or an artist. In addition to the comfort of and sustenance these positions may bring. We conveniently overlook the fact that these places of ground are simply a conglomerate of belief structures, definitions, and emotions which are all contingent upon millions of other factors. As such, these illusory places of ground are all subject to the winds of change, fluctuations, growth, and decay. In the end, all of these places which we delight and revel in will collapse and fail. The insistent, the insistent attachment and desire to fixate and cling to the transitory states which we inhabit bring us a great deal of suffering. We seem to buy into the illusion that these places which we love, delight, and revel in are somehow fixed, permanent, and completely necessary for who and what we feel we are. In reality, however, we are far greater than any words, definitions, concepts, or places could ever be. When we identify with being any one thing, it creates for us a kind of death. At first, we may feel alive, excited, and fresh, particularly if this is a new position or role for us. But the novelty soon wears thin. If I become a poet, for example, then all of my writing must fit into a particular style. I must then write poetry. 
I can no longer be a novelist or a journalist or a fiction writer. Now, it is fine to be a human writing poetry. In fact, when I am writing poetry, that is exactly what I am, and that is all I am in that moment. Nothing more and nothing less. The crucial point here is to remain free from the identification, to not define oneself as any one thing, to remain completely free from any self-definition or label is to remain free to be whatever best serves the present moment at hand. In that freedom, the poet may now slide easily and effortlessly into writing fiction, to free prose, to novels, to comics. The writer remains completely adaptable to the present moment, completely flexible to whatever type of writing emerges from the pen onto the paper, which best expresses the author's feelings, emotions, ideas, and philosophies. Now here I have used the example of writing, but one can cultivate this type of freedom in all aspects of life. By ceasing the incessant delighting, attaching, reveling, and loving in any one place, we allow ourselves the freedom to be whatever best serves the present moment. We are free to be anything. At any given moment, one can be a firefighter, a parent, a carpenter, a martyr, a freedom fighter, a pacifist, a warrior, a comedian, a musician, a philosopher, an artist, a mathematician, a Catholic, a Buddhist, a Christian, a Muslim, or a Jew, etc., etc., etc. We have now cast off those chains of identification and sent into the flowing river of ever change from which we once pulled them from. In that very act of release, we escape the self-induced bondage of labels and definitions, and we are finally free from being any one something. In being freed from being a something, we are now free to be anything. This is a true act of self-compassion, strength, selflessness, and power. Our life now becomes a dance, a play, and an intimate encounter with the ever-changing river called life in which we are always bathing in. We are always dancing in this ever-changing river of life, completely emerged within.
So I hope you enjoyed the guided meditation, the poem, and the commentary there. I hope that was useful or at least entertaining. And so as a way of wrapping up each episode, I tend to just talk a little bit about uh, the poem and the commentary that I offered and try to bring it into the current world situation. Now, for many, many, many people across the planet right now, it's quite easy to see how the places that we used to de delight and revel in, well, now we know how unstable they are. If this virus has been good at showing us any one thing, it's that, right? How, how precarious the places that we thought were so solid and fixed, how precarious all of that really is. Now that can be a bit stressful when that happens at first. It's understandable that that might cause some anxiety. But the real gift of that is we then come back to what's real. Come back to the place, come back to ourself. Everything is arising and passing. In fact, everything is just simply passing. And so here we've, we've been given this opportunity to see how that happens and letting it all go. Now, the great beauty of that, as I was saying in the commentary here, is that it allows us a complete freedom. Once we allow those identifications to go, we are free to be anything. And as I was giving the introduction here, I was talking about how I was once a musician and I completely identified with that role. And I would practice my instrument hours and hours a day. And I thought that was it. That was my life. When I allowed that identification to fall away, I realized that I could be anything I wanted to be. It wasn't even that anything I wanted to be. It, I could evolve into wherever my path would lead me. And so currently, I'm in this path. Currently, I am this person sitting in front of these screens giving this talk. And when I turn the screens off, I'll go and be the human being having lunch. And when I'm finished having lunch, I'll be the human being in meditation. And so what's left when we drop all the identifications away, right? When we drop off the painter, the poet, the lawyer, the doctor, the lover of cats, the lover of peanut butter, the traveler, the teacher, when all of that drops away, what's left? When the, the Buddhist drops away, when the
Christian drops away, when the, Jude, the Hebrew drops away, when the Islam drops away, what's left? Just the breath entering and leaving the body. Just the sensations of the clothing on the skin. Just the weight of the body in the chair or the cushion. Just the sounds of the present moment. That's all that's left. As Rumi once said, when all identifications drop away, it's only this breath-breathing human being. And that's beautiful because that's where we all meet each other. We don't see each other then through the lenses of being any one thing. And so we meet each other on that human level. I don't see you as being any one thing because I don't experience myself as being a musician or being a Buddhist or being a teacher or being a philosopher or being a poet or a writer. I don't see my, I don't identify with those. So I don't see my human brothers and sisters as lawyers, doctors, painters, poets, dog lovers, cat lovers, peanut butter lovers. I see, I see us as humans. All desiring happiness and all pushing away suffering. And so just allowing this present moment, this world crisis, to deliver that teaching in a very profound way, letting go of the places we used to delight and revel in. That's all in the past. Coming into this present moment, just this breath-breathing human being. And I think that's all I want to say today. Oh. So thank you for joining me on episode 30 of A Voice from the Ever Change. I will be back tomorrow uh, with more of the same, or, well, nothing's actually quite the same. I'll be different. You all will be different. It'll be different poetry and a different meditation, and everything will be different, actually. So nothing will be the same. <laughs> But it will be the same time, and it will be on Facebook Live. So we can count on that, most likely, if, if everything works out. Thank you once again uh, for joining me. I hope you at least found it entertaining, if not helpful and beneficial in some way. And I'll be back tomorrow. Have a great, great day, morning, evening, night. Much love, much light. Thank you. <laughs>